opening a jungle diary today. Welcome. It's another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, as she called us to live to a higher standard each day, to not be satisfied with just a little empty religion in life instead of God's best. As our series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others, all influenced by the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot. Hey, it is good to have you with us again today. Well, whether this is your first time or you've been here many times, let me tell you a little bit about what's coming up on this particular program. Have you ever kept a diary and it helped you remember what things were like years later? Well, Elizabeth had a jungle diary. And in fact, it's a five-part series on those jungle diaries that we begin today. We'll start off with journal beginnings and then befriended by Alka women coming up later. Joining us as well is missionary Frank Kohlinger, who will uh, wish us Happy New Year, but not in English. And Elizabeth has some thoughts on learning the Alka language and how Valerie was especially good at it. But let's get to that first in our series on Jungle Diaries, as Elizabeth tells us about journal beginnings. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend Elizabeth Elliot, beginning today a series from my Jungle Diaries. Since 1996 marks 40 years from the time when my first husband was killed, Perhaps it's an appropriate time to reminisce a bit and share with you much more detail than has been included in the three books that I've written which cover that story. I shouldn't say more detail because, of course, the complete stories are told in Through Gates of Splendor, Shadow of the Almighty, and The Savage My Kinsman, but there are details in my journals which are not in the books, of course. And just for those who are not acquainted with the massacre that I'm talking about, it occurred in 1956 in the jungle of Ecuador, South America. There were five American missionaries who attempted to take the gospel to a tribe of Indians who were then called Aucas, A-U-C-A. They are now called Waurani. They were Stone Age people. They thought that the white men were cannibals, and they slew all of them. They killed them with spears, and one of those five was my husband, Jim Elliott. When Jim was killed, the first thing that came to my mind when I got word of his being missing, we didn't know yet whether they were dead or alive, was God's word from Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, neither will the flame kindle upon you, for I am the Lord your God. And I can testify, after all these 40 years, that God was faithful to his promise. He did not let the waters overflow, and he has been faithful every minute of every day since. Now, I know that when I say that, there are listeners who say, well, she's got it all together. I think that some of my diary entries will make it terribly obvious that I hadn't back then, and I haven't yet. 
you know, sanctification is a lifetime process. Well, one of the things that I'm doing in my old age with a little bit more energy and determination than I've ever done before is to continually sort through things, organize them, throw away what I don't need, and try to simplify my life. I've always been a thrower awayer rather than a collector, and I'm getting even more earnest about it now because I don't want anyone else to have to go through an enormous pile of useless junk. So I've gone through my diaries again, which I hadn't done ever, I don't think, and I haven't gone through all of them, but I pick out one here and there and crack it open and find some rather interesting things. On March 1st, 1948, which was when I was a senior at Wheaton College, this was the diary entry. It was a passage from Psalm 80, a quotation from Amy Carmichael, and a prayer. From Psalm 80, 18 and 19, it says, So will not we go back from thee. Quicken us, and we will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. And then a poem from Amy Carmichael, On thy brow we see a thorn crown, blood drops in thy track. O oh, forbid that we should ever turn us back. And this was my prayer. Lord, I have said the eternal yes. Let me never, having put my hand to the plow, look back. Make straight the way of the cross before me. Guide thou my feet therein. Hold me, blessed Master, ever in thy presence. Grant to me a steadfast singleness of purpose. Give me love that there may be no room for a wayward thought or step. Let me be a true worshiper. I do believe that God heard that prayer, and I believe that he is still in the process of answering it. I'm a slow learner, but when I came across that particular page, I thought it is something rather prophetic there, so will not we go back from thee, and the thought of the thorn crown and the blood drops. I had no idea, of course, what would happen eight years later in 1956, but this is the entry on January the 28th, 20 days after Jim was killed. Life begins a new chapter, this time without Jim or any hope of seeing him in this life. Twenty days ago, he was killed by the Alka Indians on the Rio Curarai. I've been reading over some of the first part of this book. It's almost prophetic. They were days when God was teaching me to find satisfaction in himself without Jim. And I have to put in a parenthesis here to say that I was in love with Jim during my senior year, with nothing but a very faint hope that he might ever be interested in me. I really had no reason to think that he would ever be interested in me, but the fact that I was terribly fond of him was a spiritual exercise in my prayers and my diaries. This one goes on to say, always there was hope that someday he would give us to one another. He did on October 8th, 1953. That was our wedding day in Quito, Ecuador. Two years and three months together. 
And here's a poem by Amy Carmichael. If thy dear home be fuller, Lord, for that a little emptier my house on earth, what rich reward that guerdon were. That word guerdon is not one that we use very much, but it is an honor. If thy dear home be fuller, Lord, for that a little emptier my house on earth, what rich reward that guerdon were. These words come to me over and over. The peace which I have received is certainly beyond all understanding. How I pray for conformity to the acceptable will of God. I do not want to miss one lesson. Yet I find that events do not change souls. It is our response to them which finally affects us. I find that I am in a new place of yieldedness and utter prostration before him who has thus planned my life. Little things remain between me and him, big things in his sight, lack of patience with Indians, laziness in myself, failure to discipline myself to prepare properly for school, meetings, etc. I should say here that uh, this is from a diary written in Shandia, the station where Jim and I had worked together after we were married. I was the only missionary left on the station. It had been just the two of us. So I was trying to do the work that both of us had done. And I had a girls' literacy class, which I refer to as school. Also, there was a boys' school that Jim was in charge of that was now continuing under the tutelage of a white Ecuadorian teacher and also an Indian helper. And we had Christian meetings. We had a little church meeting in that school building. So all of these things were on my heart at the time. The diary goes on, O God, thou knowest what they are saying. You're wonderful. You're such a rebuke, testimony, challenge, etc. If only they knew. Thou alone knowest, Lord Jesus. Come, purge, purify. Make me like unto thy glorious self. I long now to go to the Aukas. The two things, the only things, to which I can look forward now are the coming of Christ and my going to the Aukas. Oh, if Christ would only come, but how can he until the Aukas are told of him? I can't see how he could. Now, of course, my theology has certainly been developed, and I read some of these things and think it was honest. It was just straightforward honesty, as much as a person can be honest before God. If only I could die, what a blessed release, but I do not ask to be released. I ask to be made Christ-like in the inmost part of my being. Lord, do this for me. That's the end of that particular entry, and I think of how, what a shock it was to me when I read that, because I honestly had no recollection of wanting to go to the Alcas, certainly not that soon after Jim had died. On January the 29th, the next day, I wrote from Job 6, verse 4, the arrows of the Almighty are within me. The hours of early morning are always hardest for me. And any of you who have been bereaved, I think, would agree that it's difficult to face another day realizing that the person that you miss is not going to be there. But what these diaries have shown me is that God does prepare us for everything that happens. 
it's a good reason for keeping a journal. I have the evidence in black and white of the faithfulness of God, and it's very faith-strengthening to read over them. There was a time, according to my journal, when I was longing to go to the Alka Indians. Well, God worked that out in a mysterious way to bring that about. But that's a long story, and it is told in my book called The Savage, My Kinsman. We have to skip over that lightly. I made the first contact in the fall of 1957, a year and a half after Jim's death. I met two Alka women who lived with me for nearly a year and then invited me to go back and live with them. Part one in our five-part look at Jungle Diaries, that was Journal Beginnings. Joining us today will be Frank Kohlinger, a missionary who has some thoughts for us, uh, some well wishes in this new year. Say something in uh, Quechua for us. Is there a word, for instance, for Happy New Year or uh, Merry Christmas? Can you say that in Quechua, or is that something? Yeah, they possibly would say it. They would use Spanish now, of course, but Cushi Mushu Huata. That means Happy New Year. Three words in Quechua. If I were to say something like, uh, my name is Frank, they use the word Pancho, which is a nickname in Spanish. My name is Pancho, and I lived in Ecuador for many years. I would say something like this. Nuka Shuti Panchomi, Nuka Ecuadorbi, Kausakani, Ashkawatauna, Sachai. So that means I lived for many years in the jungle. Kushi Mushu Happy New Year. Veteran missionary Frank Kohlinger. Have you ever wondered what it's like to learn a new language? Maybe you've tried at times. What was the Alka language? And was that hard? We'll hear about it coming up later. Elizabeth uh, will talk about that for a little while. First, though, it's part two in Jungle Diaries. Hey, can you see the hand of God in your life and things that have happened when you look back and you see how they fit together? Well, hear a little bit about that in the life of Elizabeth today. Befriended by Alka Women. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says and underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend Elizabeth Elliot continuing some talks today based on Jungle Diaries. Yesterday, I read you a little excerpt from a diary that I was keeping when I was a senior in college, and then I skipped over from 1948 to 1956, a few weeks after my husband Jim had been killed when we were missionaries in Ecuador. Then, in the amazing providence of God, he gave me the opportunity to meet two Alka women, members of the tribe that had killed my husband. They came and lived with me, and the time came when I had learned just barely enough of their seemingly impossible language to realize that they were suggesting that I should come back with them because they were going home. They were going back to their people, and they wanted Valerie, who was then three years old, and me to come along with them. Well, you can imagine what this news did to the grandmothers of that little three-year-old girl. My in-laws and my parents, of course, wrote me letters of solemn warning. My mother-in-law said, please don't get carried away. Zeal is wonderful, but this would be foolish. I had to be extremely cautious and 
seeking the will of God in doing what seemed to be an outrageous thing, a woman with a baby going into the tribe that had killed that child's father didn't seem to make any sense, and yet God had brought it about in a most wonderful way that I met these two women. He had preserved our lives when we were in the jungle, and the Alcas had come out and killed a Quechua Indian just around the bend of the river where we happened to be bathing at the time, and there were just many ways in which it was clear to me that God's hand was in this, and I wanted to do whatever he wanted me to do. If I was to go, then I would go. So it came about that we did go with Mintaka and Mankamo, the two Alka women, with Dayuma, a woman that had been in the States at the time, with Rachel Saint. She was also an Alka woman who had left her tribe many years before that. Rachel Saint was the sister of the pilot who had been killed along with Jim and the others. So there were three of us white women, counting the three-year-old child, who went in to live with the Indians. I told that story yesterday. The details are in my three books, Through Gates of Splendor, Shadow of the Almighty, and The Savage, My Kinsman. I wrote, I can never forget those days on the Kurarai. That was the place where I had met these two Alka women and where I had to stay for some time. Romance collapsed entirely. I didn't care if I never saw another Alka. Then I write about my perplexity. Should I go with these two women back when they go to their home? Will they kill me as they killed my husband? And Mankamo, the older of the two women, women, put her arm around my shoulders and she said, no, she said, you're our friend. They won't kill you. We jump to 1958. This is what I have in my journal. I find perfect contentment in being here. The living conditions, though quite the same, seem much easier than on the Kurarai last year. I have a tiny leaf house, tall enough just under the ridgepole for me to stand up in. I'm learning to be comfortable on a bamboo slab with only a thin blanket. Housework is nil. The Indians do the cooking and share with Val and me. I have one plate, one cup, one pot, and three spoons to wash. Clothes are kept to a minimum. Washing is a pleasure in the clean running river. We have wild pig, wild turkey, and tame pig, dropped from the plane yesterday, on today's menu. I don't even want regular meals, and find that the cookies Ruth Keenan sent in the airdrop are no great temptation. These were things dropped by parachute from the missionary aviation plane. Made a tape last night of the wild, discordant song of Gikita, Kimo, Dewey, Gimari, and Dawa. We all sat under the stars again, while the Alcas and the Kichwas took turns singing. The Kichwas, of course, were singing Christian songs. These were Kichwa men that had come in to visit us. And the Alka song went like this. And I have counted as many as 70 repetitions of verse 1. So it was an interesting life. Skipping over a whole lot more into the next year, as T.S. Eliot says, I have measured out my life with coffee spoons. Mine has been measured in quite another medium. Here it is sticks of firewood, trips down the muddy bank to the river, file cards, etc., 
The last week or ten days have seen hours spent in treating Val's infected fungus on her feet. She gets her clothes so filthy every day, and every morning it's the same story of washing them in cold water on a rock. As if millions of women have not spent millions of hours washing millions more garments for husbands and a dozen children since time immemorial. Why should I fuss? But I put this down here, number one, because I need to reflect on how inexcusable is my discontent in view of how I have received mercy. Number two, because it is better to put it down on dumb, neutral paper than to blow off to a person who could certainly not be helped by it. So, Lord, this is a form of confession. Do thou show thyself faithful and just to forgive. Val, in the space of 24 hours, was stung by a wasp, stepped on a live coal, had a snake lying within inches of her head at night, got infections in about 10 fly bites, had her foot fungus filled with pus, both feet swollen and stiff, and cried with the smoke blowing so often into her eyes. My mind keeps turning over ways to get us out of this situation, when it was the one I prayed so long to be gotten into. And my spirit answers, O ye of little faith, for I know that to God not only my necessities but my inmost wants are known, and he will withhold from Val and me nothing good. And then follows the old hymn by George Newmark, If thou but suffer God to guide thee. And here's a stanza, Obey, thou restless heart, be still, and wait in cheerful hope, content to take whate'er his blessed will, his all-discerning love, hath sent. One night Valerie asked me, do spiders have tiny, tiny tongues? Why doesn't God move the clouds away so we can see him? But if he takes us up into the clouds, I wouldn't like to get snow in my mouth. Another entry several months later, June 30th, realizing tonight after reading the letter of James in Philip's translation, how little I have given thanks for the trials of faith. How little I have known of patient endurance. Endurance, the word that has been repeated to me over and over lately. I'm asking God for that kind, patient endurance, and for a glad willingness to welcome what I would not choose. Already he has given a special joy and sense of peace here in this place where there is so much to offer him as being solely for his sake. This is the true happiness, the ultimate certainty, holds me to the course of obedience with bright expectancy. July 5th, very thankful to God this Sunday morning for, number one, the life of Christ in me, the hope he gives, the coolness today, the lovely sunshine gleaming on the cane tips across the river, the sound of running water, the absence of bugs, the quiet, the jungle's beauty, a beautiful little daughter, her sweetness and unselfishness are budding, the simplicity of life here, the leisure to think. Shalmeta, that was the missionary aviation base, had told us on the radio that our weekly flight would be on Wednesday instead of on Friday. Rain disappointed us on both Wednesday and Thursday. 
Friday morning, Val prayed, and Lord Jesus, please make the plane come today. I would like the plane to come. And the Alcas like it very much. They love to see the plane. So please make it not rain. Okay, Jesus? Okay? When are you going to tell me if the plane will come? Yesterday, she asked me if I knew how to swink my eyes. Today, she went upriver with Gimari and Bai. That was an Alka woman and her little boy. And since they delayed a long time, she came home alone, finding herself quite alone on the forest trail. She tells me, I prayed all by myself in the forest. I said, Lord Jesus, don't let the tigers come and eat me all up. My mama would be sad. And did he hear you, I asked? Yes, the tigers didn't come. He is our shepherd, isn't he? He took care of his little lamb. Yes. Are you his little lamb? Yes. How do you know? I know very much. But tell me how you know. My Lord Jesus helped me to know. July 8th. In all honesty, I do not see among the Alcas the things we think of as the grossest sins. Hatred, jealousy, pettiness, selfishness, maliciousness, lying, pride, envy, covetousness, love of the world, stubbornness, rebellion, laziness, and denial of God. These things simply are not evident in their daily relationships with one another. Why is this? How should I expect them to be changed by the life of Christ? That is, in what new way will his love be manifest in their daily relationships with one another? The other day, when three pigs were killed, Numpu shared her pig with Mankamo, and Mankamo, in turn, shared her pig with Numpu. This is common practice. No matter how small the squirrel or fish, they take a piece to their neighbor, and as in the case of Gikita last night, offer the entire and only fish to me. The end of another diary entry written while I was living with the Alka Indians, the people who had been responsible for killing my husband in 1956. That was part two in our series on Jungle Diaries, befriended by Alka women. Well, before we go, uh, we'll have a little bit more about the Alka language. Here's Elizabeth to talk about how Valerie was quick to pick up that language. It fascinates me to observe the language learning process of my grandchildren, uh, to see that it doesn't have anything to do with the child's IQ. That child, every child in the world, unless he has some serious mental deficiency, is perfectly capable of learning to speak exactly the way his mother and father speak. It's just a miraculous ability to imitate, which they lose eventually, and they lose it pretty fast. When you get to be 12 years old, you probably can learn a language a whole lot faster than somebody 20. And I learned a language when I was in my 20s, and then I had to learn another language when I was in my 30s, and there was a big difference between my ability to learn the one in my 30s. But to try to sit there and imitate what the Indian says was very difficult for me, where it, would been, where it was a snap for my daughter. She was three years old. She was bilingual by the time we went in there. She spoke Quechua and English, and then she learned Alka in about, I would say, four or five weeks. And she was speaking fluently, and it was the most humiliating experience. <laughs> 
if you get a chance, leave a review for us. We had one from Red Oaks Mama via Apple Podcasts. This podcast has been a huge blessing from the Lord that I see flourishing in my life every day. The words and wisdom of Elizabeth Elliot have helped shape me into the wife and mother that I am and that I am becoming. She is one of God's gifts to women. Thank you for allowing God to use her even after her passing. Well, thanks for letting us come into your home, your office, maybe along with you as you took that walk, wherever we found you today. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliot Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out elizabethelliot.org. More talks, more Gateway to Joy programs, and other resources. elizabethelliot.org. And until next time, may God remind you each and every day, you are loved with an, what kind? With an everlasting love, that's right. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Kushi Mushu Wata. Happy New Year.